the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is time uh, to get it underway for a Thursday, last day of coverage of the uh, General Assembly uh, for this week. J.R. Davis, as usual, here with us for this hour of uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. If you're listening at 5 o'clock, just so uh, you'll know, you're listening to a pre-recorded interview that we did at 2 o'clock. i just like to, sh- to, to share this twice because a lot of you can't... Uh, Join us uh, during your work day, and so you're driving home. It's a good time for you to hear uh, what the governor's office is saying about the uh, the session, about uh, different subjects that are going on uh, at the uh, the session, and things of that nature. Paul Calvert is uh, is here. Jr. has made his way up. Well, he's blown in. I I saw him come flying through the uh, the doors. He opened them up, and he looked like he got sucked in. And he actually has coffee in his cup this time. Yeah, it's it's in the cup and not on me. Is it the, is it the special coffee? No, it's uh, whatever they had downstairs in Keurig form. So. There you go. Okay, so you you didn't go for a walk and go no, get your no, perfect cup of coffee. No, it'll never happen again after that day. So it's all it's been ruined. All right. Well. You just ruined you ruined the whole day for you, I huh? Really, it really did. That's not good. I'm sorry to hear that. I really believe. All right, so let's start off. Uh, Bob Ballinger was here last night. We wanted to talk to him about a couple things. The stand your ground bill was was on our mind, and then we talked about the minimum wage bill uh, that he's putting together. And uh, he said that he was uh, disappointed. Uh, in the governor coming out and supporting the minimum wage bill the way that he did. He's he's uh, saying that the minimum wage bill, he's been working to try to make sure that it helps people and doesn't uh, do bad things to businesses. And uh, does he have a reason to be upset with the governor? I have a great deal of respect for Senator Ballinger. Um, The governor has a great deal of respect for Senator Ballinger. We've worked on a lot of things together. Uh, The governor, you know, I think it's just the governor's comments yesterday and his position on this particular piece of legislation is the fact that this was an act voted on by the will of the the people, 68% of Arkansans. Uh, He wasn't supportive. He came out against it several times saying we do not need to pass this. We did the same thing with medical marijuana. Uh, he said he wasn't going to vote for casinos. And and basically, the, the people of Arkansas said differently on all three of those measures. And, and I think it's a dangerous uh, 
it's a dangerous precedent to set in the legislature, I think, and I believe the governor feels the same way, and especially when we have a supermajority in both chambers. We are the party of Arkansas. Republicans are the ones in control, and we're the ones that, that basically you know control what moves through. Uh, and so having said all that, I think it's really important, though, when the people of Arkansas go to the polls and vote in overwhelming majorities for a particular uh, amendment to the Constitution, I think you'd be very, very, very careful about what you do to change that. And that's the governor's take. He doesn't like it. Uh, and I think the party put out a statement yesterday, too, that said, and you know, until, there's, until the circumstance presents itself, there's, we shouldn't do anything to fix this right now because that's what the people of Arkansas voted for. And so, like I said, sometimes you just... It's not what you want, but you have to be able to respect the will of the people. Yeah, I I understand that, and I think you know me well enough that that I I, I agree with you. But with that, I'm going to play devil's advocate today. If you know, if people are coming to you as an elected official and saying, uh, look, I only have, our church has a church secretary, and if we've got to pay her $11 an hour, we can't have a church secretary. We're just not going to be able to do it. Uh, we, can't, we can't hire somebody to do that. Or someone has a small family business, and they would like to have a couple more people uh, on the payroll, but they can't do it. And if they do, it's going to put them out of business. Um, I don't know how to put this in such a way that I don't piss some people off, but I guess I'm going to. Some people just don't understand economics, and they don't understand that what they may have voted for is not what they're going to get, and what what they're going to do is they're going to hurt people that are just trying to make a living. Hey, everything you just said, I 100% agree. The governor 100% uh, agrees on that. That's what we said during the election. We said it. Everybody said it. And 68% of our Kansans said this is what we want to go with. I just think we have to be very careful uh, to say that, hey, the voters don't know what they're talking about, so we're going to change it. Uh, I think that absolutely those are situations that are going to pop up, and it's going to be hurtful. The governor said it. He's not backing down from the comments he said on the campaign trail. But at the same time, too, uh, again, this is something the people of Arkansas voted for, and we have to be very careful how we go about uh, that business. And I will say, too, the Department of Labor in the state of Arkansas already has exemptions for some of those smaller employers and for those uh, faith-based organizations. So that's, I mean, they, there are exemptions already. Uh, I'm not saying what they're trying to do is not a good thing. Uh, I think on paper, and if this was legislation, if it was just legislation and it was just a law and we're trying to change it, Absolutely. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. But this is something that 68% of our Kansans voted for. And as Republicans, we have to be careful. That's something that can change the dynamics of this capital uh, pretty quickly if people feel like uh, the Republicans are stalling or not implementing the things that the people voted for. And, and I think we just have to be very careful of that. It's a democracy. They got a chance to vote and they voted. Well, I, think there, I think there is some validity to that. However, you know, the, one of the main reasons for government is to protect the majority from over. Um, just running roughshod over the minority. So I think this is kind of what's happening here is the minimum wage passage was an example of a majority just running roughshod over the rights of the minority, which is in this case is, is business owners and, and even those people that the employ, potential employees that would have more available options to them if it wasn't for the minimum wage increase or even the minimum wage in general. I think that's it's one of those issues where it's a principle matter. 
I think that's one of those times when, you know, even if a, a big majority doesn't like it, I think principles outweigh the politics of the matter. Hey, look, man, I think this is going to be one of these issues. We, we don't disagree. Uh, it's just the fact of the matter is, the one, the, well, I should say, the one area we do disagree is the fact that you have 68% of our Kansans go to the polls and say this is what we want. And I think we have to be very careful because Republicans won overwhelmingly mm-hmm. with that same electorate that went to the polls and said mm-hmm. this is what we want. So in some ways to go in there and say we're going to change this and put some different things in there to protect different uh, businesses, different organizations, that sort of thing, I understand it. But I think it's also a dangerous message for Republicans to say we know better than the people that sent us here. And, and, and I'm look. I get it. It's a very good argument to do it 100%. And the governor, look, that's something the governor struggled with, too. He, again, was adamantly opposed to this. But at the same time, too, just as he was with medical marijuana, you know, as soon as it passed, he put money towards, you know, getting it getting it going. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes you just have to say, look, the people, this is what they want, and they'll have to learn. Well, and, and if something happens and, and everything that we think will happen, uh, that some believe will happen, then we come back and address it. But I think that's the whole point, that we have to be able to give the people like what what they want, we have to be able to let that take effect before we start tinkering with it. I okay. think it's dangerous precedent. So would you... I'm, I'm going to ask you to make a statement about the governor that you probably can't make right now because you pro- you, he hasn't been asked a question. But if we see some of the things that they're talking about occur over the next two years before the next general session comes up or before uh, perhaps... If you see it's bad enough, the governor calls a special session. I think that's exactly what that's there for. Would he would he expect perhaps the legislature to use their their power at a two thirds vote on both houses to strike that from the constitution? Because they can do it. No, absolutely, and they can do that right now. That's what Representative Lundstrom is is doing with her legislation right now. I know she's. Uh, offered some amendments as well to it. But absolutely, Dave, that's why we have special sessions. If there's an emergency that comes up or if we start seeing this go down that that road, we can bring a three-day special session, put an emergency clause in it, get two-thirds majority, and let's pass it and fix it. But but that's what I'm saying right now. You have 68% of voters, and again, a large part of the Republican uh, voters who voted for Republican in the last election mm-hmm. voted for this. So you have to be able to just let it be implemented. Well, and I think there's an argument then, for that because right. some, sometimes you just got to allow someone to go, go over and touch a stove. Yeah. Well, that's and, and you know actually, Paul, that's not a bad. I mean, that's that's, that's a good, a good point analogy. Because, I mean, because I mean, you ha- let, the kid, you, let the kid stick his tongue to the to the flagpole, whatever it is. If Republicans, if the majority says we don't think you know what you're talking about, we're going to change what 68 percent of the electorate voted for, and they change it, then they will get complete blame for that. If you right. allow for it to take place right. and you start seeing those issues. Then you can call a special session and fix it. And I, I don't think the governor's opposed to that at all. But, but we have to be able to to carry out the will of the people. That's part of the government and, and the democracy that we live in. If it's on the ballot, you vote for it, it passes. You need to respect the will of the people. And that's the only, you know, again, the governor has great respect for Senator Ballinger. So do I. We've worked together on a lot of different things. There's a lot of passionate people on both sides of this. Uh, we... The only concern from the governors, if it, if the people have voted for it, especially in an overwhelming majority like this, you need to be able to respect that, and uh, and let's see what happens. And if we need to come back and correct it, we can. We have that ability to do so. All right, let's get our first break of the show. We'll do that, then we'll uh, return with J.R. Davis. He's the governor's spokesman. We will talk to him more when we return. 
Yeah, we're uh, 20 minutes after uh, the hour. Good to have you with us right now. J.R. Davis is our guest. He's the governor's spokesman. Uh, as uh, we move on through this session, uh, it's been uh, uh, a good time to have him on, uh, to, to have what the, the governor's office is thinking about different things that are happening. Before I leave talking about the minimum wage, uh, let's talk about the act of, of changing the state's constitution. There's been legislation, I think Pitch is the person who's been doing it. Um, there may be some others, but I know that he's been on the show uh, talking about getting this, you know, having the signatures. And uh, I forget who he said was supposed to, there's going to be a group that looks at the title of ballots and things of that nature instead of the way it's going right now. He says, right now, the way we're doing it is really unconstitutional. Does the governor feel, do you think, that uh, what's happening in the state, because we've had a ton of changes to the state's constitution over the last 20 years. It is incredible how many changes have happened. Uh, Does it need to be made tougher? Have people found maybe loopholes that they're using to get get things passed? I mean, I'm not only talking about minimum wage, I'm talking about the casino bill that passed uh, the last election as well. Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, certainly there's there's something to it for sure. I mean, a constitution should be something that you hold sacred uh, and change uh, when it's absolutely necessary. It needs or to be amend. a foundational document. Yes, absolutely. So when you have, I don't even know what number amendment we're on right now, but you've had amendment after amendment to the Constitution, and I think and the sad part is I think most Arkansans just expect to have several choices to change the Constitution each and every election. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should be that way. Uh, I know that there was, uh, you know, there there have been talks for a while about how, how we how we, you know, put the integrity back into that uh, and make sure that it's not just you know every time someone gets a whim with a minimum wage which paul i agree with something you said earlier about the majority running roughshod over the minority but that that's something that happens a lot with these amendments right one uh, of the problems is that we only require a simple majority to pass them yeah that's yeah, crazy I, that's something i think that they're looking at as well so you know as far as the governor's concerned uh, he has said look uh, whatever the legislature decides to do with those referred amendments uh, he supports. Uh, they're going through that debate, uh, but that's something that has obviously, you know, caught the eye of a lot of folks uh, because it is something that's very important uh, to the way we do things here in Arkansas. I think you have to be able to put the integrity back into the process uh, and and protect the Constitution uh, until you absolutely have to amend it. Uh, and so, uh, I, I think it's a good idea. I think it's worth the debate for sure. And look, at the end of the day, <laughs> twenty twenty is going to be. Uh, packed full of campaigns and when i say that i mean for these uh referred amendments initiated acts there's going to be a lot of uh a lot of people on both sides uh campaigning for these so why not put it out there uh, make your case and let the people of arkansas decide it but uh it, it's going to be it's going to be a tough hill to climb i think uh but i think it's something that absolutely should be looked at for certain so one of the things with with the changing the process for for um, amending the Constitution is that we've already got a bunch of garbage in the Constitution. If we all of a sudden cut it off and make it very difficult to change, then we're kind of we're sealing up yeah. the garbage. That's, on some that's level. another. Um, and so, how do we, can yeah. we fix it first, and then? Well, you know yeah. how to do it. We've talked about it. 
All they need is a two-thirds vote in the House and in the Senate, and they can strike whatever they, they want to. They can start striking stuff out, and so that that would that would help with some of these amendments if they have the guts to do it. And then if the Supreme yeah, Court, you got to have political will. If the Supreme Court will, you got to have organization too. too. You I mean, do. It's not just. Of course, I mean, you know they they get appropriations bills passed all the time. Yeah, but we're. I mean. Uh, those require 75%. Sure, yeah. But I'm saying um, you start getting down in the weeds in some of these constitutional uh, statutes things. and, you know, it's going to be you're, – you're going to have people that you never thought would come out against something come out against it. It's going to sure. take a – and that's why I think it's just such a, a, a big lift and you haven't seen that yet because it, it's going to take – it's taken us two years for transformation. Something like that would take a long time, really and truly, to just organize, go through, get the support, mm, and, and get it passed. But I, mm. I support it. I'm not, I'm not right. saying it's, but I'm saying other, it's a, certainly a, a, a tall, uh, tall order. So. Yeah, it, it is, I think. And, and, and the other hurdle, I think, is, is getting it past the Supreme Court, because in the past, the Supreme Court has not recognized the legislature's authority to um, amend the Constitution just with a two-thirds vote. And so that's another hurdle that will have to be gotten over, because who's... who's who knows what what they'll do, and if and if they do decide to tell the legislature, well, you can't have the authority that the Arkansas Constitution says that you have, then the legislature has to decide how to handle that. Well, the bottom line is going to come the people of the state. If the people of the state get behind tightening it up and making it tougher, understanding. Uh, that now money is buying changes to the Constitution, whether it's good or bad for the state, they might be willing to make it more difficult to make those changes to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. But we're going to see, you know, there's a bad movement in our our country. I know there's people who think differently than I do on this, but this country and and this state were never supposed to be a full-on 100% democracy. That's not... The way we do law, it's a democracy. Yeah. It's a democracy with a throttle, essentially, as, as opposed to just a full-on. It's a republic. Simple majority rule. It's a republic, a democracy of a republic, which means that you have people standing in the stead. There's people who are supposed to stand up and they say, "Hey, if the, the if the majority is wrong on this, we've got to stand against right. the majority and that, and of the people." I think that's the idea of the founding fathers was. You know, you don't want just something that can flow like water and move to and fro with the wind. You want something that's actually got right. a governor that there's on some, it. There's checks in, and balances. That's yeah. so what makes us different a, from Parliament in, in the has, U.K. It has a throttle that can actually slow things down and keep things from going crazy really fast. Absolutely. And, that, and again, that's what keeps us... That's why we have such a unique government, but there are those checks and balances. And, and I agree with you. I mean, we kind of go back in circles because it kind of speaks yep. to the minimum wage deal, but... Again, I think in some in some cases, you know, you when 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 uh, when the majority speaks and they speak loudly, then you yeah. got to give them what they want. And like you said, if if it's if if it does everything we say it's going to do, we will be back here to fix it. I think um, I think you're right, but you got to have a foundation. The, the thing is, it it may or may not do everything that some people are saying it's going to do. I'm opposed to minimum wage not because of what I think it'll do to the economy. I'm opposed to it because I think it's wrong. I have, yeah. a, I have a moral. When you're saying basically just to be supply and demand, it, and that well, sort it's of thing, it's yeah. it's wrong for me to go and tell my neighbor, you know, if you don't pay him what I tell you to pay him, I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt you. That's essentially what the minimum wage is, is telling people is that you know if if we don't if you don't obey the government, we will hurt you regardless of whether or not you're actually violating someone's rights. And the minimum wage violates that principle, and so it's not about so much the issue of what it will do economically but rather at the fact that it's immoral. Yeah. 
Well, it's a. This is. I think Dave, you need a whole entire Saturday. I think it's unconstitutional. That's my biggest thing. Minimum wage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think people have the right to go to the polls to tell business how much they have to pay. I mean, this is typical. This is typical. You know, government in in our country is the fact (laughs) that everything has a. Uh, I think most people, when legislation is passed or when when a constitution is amended or whatever it is, there's the idea is good, but then it takes on a whole entire uh, new identity and and a lot of unintended consequences. And I don't disagree, again, with Representative Lundstrom and Senator Ballinger. Absolutely, there are going to be unintended consequences. But if we step in as a party and say, we don't accept what you say, that's that's going to have, I think, long-term ramifications on the Republican Party in Arkansas. So let's see what happens, and then if we have to, let's come back here and fix it. All right. We've got about 30 seconds before the news, so I'm not going to start a new subject. Just let you know we'll come back. I want to talk about highways. I've already told you what I want to talk about. The governor, three years ago, had no problem dipping into general revenue. I'd like to talk to you about that, about what he said, and why has he changed his mind now. So when we come back, we'll pick it up there. You stick around. There's more to be uh, talked about. J.R. Davis is here. He's the governor's spokesman. uh, And uh, we have a lot to speak about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you as we continue with J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman on the Dave Ellswick Show. And, and J.R., I've got a... uh, script of a weekly address that the governor gave back in 2016. Uh, It was January 22nd, in fact. And the governor has been against using uh, general revenues towards highways and and whatnot. I just want to read some of this to you. Sure. And and I'd like you to tell me when he changed his mind. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what? Have you read this? We wrote it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. It says, a key part of the plan speaking about uh, highways, is that we will not raise taxes to fund our highways. Specifically, there will be no new taxes on gasoline, diesel, fuel, or sales tax. With our economy still on the mend and with families who are still struggling to make ends meet, uh, now is not the time to raise taxes. This new program allows us to access billions of dollars in federal highway money all without raising taxes. In the first year of my highway plan, Arkansas will primarily use unobligated surplus funds to provide the federal match of $46 million. That's going back when we got the $50 million to to get the money from the government. In uh, later years, the highway program will generate revenue from road user items such as a portion of existing sales tax on new and used cars. This is not going to raise or change the taxes. Arkansans already pay on vehicles they drive. It will be phased in over time and capped at $25 million. There are other sources of revenue involved as well, but none will affect taxes or our ability to meet our budget obligations. And um, he says uh, his final recommendation is using 25% of our budget surplus each year for highways. This will be done after education and our other critical budget needs are met. So... Has the governor changed his mind about using, uh, you know, sales tax from new cars? And you, I mean, that's what Mayberry yeah. was talking about. Yeah, well, first of all, so that is part of the governor's 2016 Highway Improvement Plan. Okay. Uh, that was a short-term plan. Uh, I think it was five years. Uh, and it hasn't, we haven't seen what we thought we'd see from it, uh, quite frankly. Uh, and so 
uh, when you have constituents reaching out to their legislators, saying, especially our farmers, saying these 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 uh, farm to market roads are killing us. Uh, the trucks, uh, the trucking industry coming out saying we're we're spending a ton of money just trying to fix our trucks. You've got people who are driving back and forth every single day. The sixty-seven, one sixty-seven. It's almost done. It's almost done. Yeah. So that's what. How long have people been saying that? Yeah. So I mean, but I the think, wall is down. Right. 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 South but, but I'm saying that's been sort of an ongoing joke for a while for sure. people. Uh, so the fact of the matter is that was 2016. It's tw- it was tw- it's 2019. The the plan didn't come to fruition as we'd hoped it would, uh, and some of the costs. Now it did a lot. Uh, it allowed us to access that money from the federal government. Um, but we also thought we'd have some sort of federal uh, uh, infrastructure, infrastructure program by now, yeah. and we still don't. And so it's it's on the states uh, to do something about it. And Arkansas is booming. Uh, I think at the time in 2016, you always wonder when the recession's coming, if there's going to be a downturn. We have a very diverse economy. Uh, our unemployment rate is 3.7%. Uh, we continue to see good revenue reports from the state. And so I think at this point, it was we, we've got to do something for our roads. Uh, and so we looked at it. Uh, we went back and revisited uh, some of the aspects that we looked at in 2016 and said, I think the time is we, we've got to have a long-term fix in order for Arkansas to keep up with the rest of our states. And people don't realize in the last four years, it, it's, it's tough when you're, you know, Monday through Friday, you're going to your job. We certainly understand that. But if you really take a step back and look at the last four years, the state of Arkansas is booming from an economic standpoint. Mm-hmm. We can't afford to go backwards. We went backwards for 138 years. The turn of the century in the 1900s, Arkansas was a state that didn't put money into anything, and that's what continued to put us behind. We have an opportunity to push forward and make Arkansas something that companies want to move here for. They want to establish uh, their new headquarters or expand in our state. And we also have an opportunity to pull in people from Missouri, from Oklahoma, from Tennessee, and even the state of Texas that has zero income tax because their property taxes are through the roof. So I think we have a really good opportunity now as a state to push forward, and part of that is an infrastructure plan. And this was a necessary evil that we had to do uh, in order to uh, provide that path forward. So I think most most constituents, uh, and we'll find out too, because this is something that you know the large part of it is that two hundred and five million that'll go to the people for a vote, and we'll find out real soon whether or not uh, Arkansans support it. But what we've seen and what we've heard is that they do, and they want it, if they can see what that money's going towards. And I think that's the biggest issue, is that for so long, people haven't been able, they don't know where those dollars are going, and and, uh, and what roads are being worked on, what highways are being, uh, uh, you know, turned into four-lane highways, you know, I-49, the Bella Vista bypass, a lot of questions that people don't have answers to, and I think that's imperative as we move forward on this campaign, uh, that, that people know exactly where those dollars are going to go. You saw Senator Dismang also, with, uh, with Representative Andy Davis, put forward two pieces of legislation that would provide more accountability and oversight uh, to the Department of Transportation. So we're not just doing this willy-nilly saying, here's more money. There's oversight and accountability that's going with it, uh, and I think that's a good thing. So, uh, again, 2016, that was the plan. That's what we'd hoped would happen, uh, and it, it didn't quite meet the level we'd hoped. And, and as that time went on, the needs and the costs continued to go up, and we kept falling further and further behind. We cannot do that if we want to continue uh, to move our state forward. Well, that's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm yeah. suggesting is the, the governor at one point said, 
Look, we can we, we got that surplus money, and, and we can put that towards it, and we can also uh, take taxes off of new vehicles and used vehicles, and you go out and you buy a battery, and we can take the sales tax, and all that goes to the highways. Maybe at that point we don't need the half-cent sales tax. Yeah, but I think, too, upon further uh, study of that as well, that's a huge chunk of money out of general revenue. And since 2016, we've cut taxes by another $150 million with income. And I think if you ask people, uh, I could hear Paul breathing. But we so haven't cut. But thought. we haven't cut, cut, cut um, funding. We haven't cut spending. Well, the biggest part we've of that, Paul, rev- is we've cut some the, tax. In, but the biggest tax, but we haven't cut spending. But the big no, we have cut spending. The biggest part well, of spending's the spending's gone up, and spending's gone up because of Medicaid and healthcare and prisons and education. Constitutionally, we have to spend more on education every single no, we year. Don't. Show me, show me that in the Constitution. That is that is a, a leftover thing from, from a Lakeview case. Well, and no, that's, but, but that's but what that's, I argued with the Judiciary Chairman mm-hmm. just the other day and asked her when Are she, we she was a special judge on that. Mm-hmm. And I said, did Lakeview tie the legislature's hand? She said, no, that's a lie. I'm sorry. That's a flat-out lie. Well, of hey, course it tied it, the legislature's hand. And, and the legislators and, need to need So to let me just up. tell you this. if the legi- That's fine, Paul, but <laughs> let me tell you this. As soon as they don't meet adequacy, that's exactly then we're going right. right back into court, and it's going to cost the state millions, how just like they, it did this last how time. How are we going to go back into court? That court case is over. The Supreme Court in Arkansas ruled that the state of Arkansas cannot be a defendant in her courts. I'm, I'm telling you, Paul, that is the reason that the, the spending continues to go up in education. Now, look, the governor has said it. We've talked about this before. The facilities funding, the governor would love for us to revisit and say, okay, how is this money, where are we putting this money? What can we do to spend taxpayer dollars more wisely on education? Absolutely. Let's take a look at it. But we also have to continue to meet that adequacy funding for the time being until we know exactly where we can. And there, there are major changes that can be done. Yeah. Well, and I understand that, and there's always opinions and thoughts and plans. Mm-hmm. But what I'm telling you between prisons and education and Medicaid, and we're talking traditional Medicaid, until something is, is fixed at the federal level on health care, those costs are going to continue to go. We have grown. Uh, we have con- the, Yes, you're right. The costs have grown, but we've grown at, the, uh, at a lower rate than the average last 20 years in Arkansas. We've curbed that growth, and we're continuing to try to do that. But we're also cutting taxes at the same time. And, and you can say what you will from Little Rock to Conway. So, again, that's, that's something that you have to consider. But uh, let me tell you, education, prisons, and Medicaid, those are and just health care in general, those are the three main costs to state government. This is as well. We've merged agencies and saved $10 million. So, I mean, we are continuing to look at ways to do things, but those are the three main carriers as far as the budget goes. Uh, and I agree. We should absolutely continue to look at ways to do it, but... Education, education is too big. Look, education, the legislature, cut, hand, I agree with that. Their hands have been tied but wh- in the what? legislature. No. <laughs> and there has to be a fix at the federal level before states start to see a dip in health care costs. The, th- the thing is, is, if you want to see a huge change in education, instead of 66 cents out of every dollar heading to education, basically, you're going, to, so. ha- well, you're going to have to have the political will of a party mm-hmm. at this point. Right. Vouchers is a good option. That want to change things here in the state. I mean, when Westerman was a, a state legislator, he wanted to do, they called it scholarships because vouchers are a toxic word right. anymore, but he wanted to give every parent a scholarship of the amount that the, gov- uh, the government give. gives to the school system. Yeah. There was no one that would really mm-hmm. back up on that. 
because they're scared to death of the AEA. The same's got to mm-hmm. change. Right. We'll right. just see. Right. What, but, but, Paul, uh, I know you understand, but here's the key. you got to be pragmatic about it, mm-hmm. and we can all sit there and say it should be this way, but it's not because people want to keep their jobs in both of these Right, I think you're right. And I think that I think the the voucher approach is one of those ways where you could, we could easily cut a lot of public education. Well, yeah, Westerman, I, I, yeah. Westerman showed that because it comes in under the Lakeview case because it's equitable. Volunteer. Parents volunteer for it. No, yeah, no, well, but see, it's equitable spending. Yeah. Again, we uh, go back to those three main drivers of the budget. And like we said, healthcare, it's going to take a fix from the federal government in order to start seeing that decrease. And we've done, we, we cut five, we sent $500 million back to the federal government from like taxpayer dollars because we said we've cut, we've cut the Medicaid budget here in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. We've done it more efficiently and we sent money back. And there's zero, like a very small dent in the overall picture of the budget. And as far as education, the hands are tied. I absolutely believe it. Yeah, there are a lot of good ideas out there, but you have to reach consensus on it. And then with prisons, we're doing a lot on prisons already. One of them is the, uh, the crisis stabilization units. A lot of it is the fact that you have uh, 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 recidivism rates that continue to skyrocket. A lot of it is the mental health community. We want to treat those here and send them back into society, be taxpaying citizens, so they're not in this revolving well, door of prisons. Well, but it's, it, everything takes time we've been in control for four years you're right going on five and it's been 138 years arkansas has been in the 48 category for 138 years and we are inching up but it takes time and it's going to take good leadership and i think that's what governor hutchinson has displayed and i think that's what the legislature has displayed today time for a break go to your separate corner okay (laughs) we'll be back to talk further here on the dave ellswick show don't forget about sunny's auto salvage your number one choice for recycled auto parts their phone number 982-7451 you know all cars and trucks reach the end of their life for one of two reasons they either wear out that's what my cars do they just wear out They, they, they they cry out uncle and they die on the side of the road and then they've been totaled in an accident now those that have been totaled in an accident just because they don't drive down the road anymore doesn't mean that the engines aren't still good the transmissions aren't still good a lot of parts are not still good on i mean they are good and uh, Sonny's checks all of those parts, and then they sell them to you to replace those parts when you need a part for your car. It's what I've done with my Acadia. Instead of buying a new car and taking on another five to seven years of debt, I've uh, bought a new engine uh, from Sonny's, a um, well-maintained total loss uh, car, and uh, took the engine out of it, put it in mine. The same thing with the transmission, and the car runs like a top now and saved me a whole lot of money. About $10,000, putting it all in. You can do it yourself as well through Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. And by the way, they'll do all the labor for you. I suggest that you use Sunny's, or if you do have somebody else that you want to do, make sure you check with Sunny's and that they uh, accept them to do that so that you can get the standard warranties and guarantees that can go along with that part. That number to call, 982 74 Fifty-one. I think we're back. Are we back? Yes, you are. Thank you very much. All right, we are. Sometimes, you know, we come back a little bit late, and the reason that is is it's not quiet here. You <laughs> no. get in these halls with all of this marble around you; it's loud, very, very loud. 
All right, let me remind everybody about PI Roofing. They're now cleaning out gutters. Uh, They bought Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Service, so now you get the high-quality gutter cleaning from the folks at PI Roofing and Home Solutions that you get uh, from their great comprehensive roofing program and their home repair expertise that they do as well. You can learn more about how they can help you by just going to piroofing.com. Find out about Joel Johnson, Veronica Johnson, the owners of PI Roofing, and see how they've become one of the best roofing companies in the area. Now they've transferred it as well, that professionalism, over to uh, the uh, area of cleaning out your gutters. All right, let's finish it up. J.R. Davis is our guest. we got about five minutes left that we can talk here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me get back to... Um, our topics that we had talked about. I got to bring them up now. I got to find. Well, while you're doing that, I'll that. let you Go know ahead. the uh, transformation plan passed the House. Okay, that's good. 82 to 10. That's 50 percent done. So now we move to the Senate. Uh, that's and the that one that the, consolidates. Yeah, that's the one that moves us from 42 down to 15. Okay. Uh, and and you know does again uh, probably need more time to talk about. It, but basically, just helps us become a more efficient government, uh, spend less money, uh, break down some of the silos. Uh, put pieces where they need to be, uh, and also allows the governor to have a conversation with his cabinet around a table versus a, a amphitheater, uh, mm-hmm. and, and can get on the same page and drive his message. And is, it, is this something more that affects the legislature and the executive and the judicial? The average taxpayer won't notice it all that much. No, I think the average taxpayer will, and we've been doing okay. it throughout. I mean, you had the My DMV, which was part of the transformation efforts, where you can now do, you know, your your license renewal and all that sort of stuff online. Yep, uh, that's great. You don't have to sit in the DMV. I mean, there's, we've done these things. We've we've the rural services to AEDC. That's shown over the last four years to have strengthened rural services. They have more resources being with economic development, a lot of those grants and things like that. It also saved the state $10 million over four years, and that's one merger. Uh, so we've seen this happen. We've continued to do things throughout. Uh, so I definitely think taxpayers are going to see it. We have a very conservative estimate of $15 million a year, but I guarantee you I will stake my, my reputation, which I don't know how much that's worth, uh, and, and my future employment right, exactly, <laughs> on the fact that we will save so much more than $15 million once fully implemented. Because you're, you're basically saying we're eliminating some of those duplicative administrative costs. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, Bureau, when you talk about... Kids. Yeah, and also once part of the consolidation will be, you know, buildings and things like that where you're not paying rent and things for, right. you know, 40-some-odd uh, conference rooms and, and things like that. So it's just little things like that that mm-hmm. I certainly believe the taxpayers will, will see a benefit. And also just the delivery of services. All right. Last question. Go back to something we talked about last week. Uh-oh. Uh, mm-hmm. And that deals with the, the state flag. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mentioned to you that I expected somebody to run an a bill again after they heard what the governor had to say and it has happened. Uh, I talked to some of the people on that committee and uh, it does not sound good for the bill. I think it's going to flame out sure. there uh, again. And and they're, they're kind of irritated that the governor kind of got involved in the middle of this. Well, Does the governor me, wish he didn't get involved in it no, now? No, absolutely not. He's Look, he's the governor of the state of Arkansas. He gets questions asked to him, and he answers them. Okay. Uh, the legislature's the legislature. The governor already said he's not going to uh, testify for it in committee like he did with MLK Lee. But the governor stands by what he said. I mean, you, I'll say this again, and I read more about it this last week. you got to look at the history of it uh, to a significant population uh, uh, of our state. It's something that represents 
uh, hurt and, and hate in some minds. Now, others, it's it's heritage and history and that sort of thing. But 1913, which, by the way, here's a here's a little tidbit for you. We had a we had a capital, the one we're sitting in right here, before we had a flag in the state of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1911 was the capital. 1913 was the flag. Um, and then in 19, uh, uh, 1913, we had the flag, which was the three stars, United States, Spain, and France. Uh, in 1919, there was the Elaine Massacre, which killed several hundred African Americans here in the state. Uh, it's some uh, historians believe it's the bloodiest massacre uh, uh, in the state in that? the United States. Even bigger uh, than Rosewood in Florida. Well, there's. I mean, they don't have this. That's the reason they don't have the specific numbers on African Americans, but they believe okay. it was hundreds, and mm-hmm. they're safe to say, you know, a hundred plus. But it was well over that. Uh, then the twelve surviving. Uh, African-Americans there were the, uh, known as the Elaine 12 were convicted in a sort of a sham trial uh, for murder mm. uh, because five uh, whites were killed uh, and, and it, was a, it was a sham. Uh, in 1923, uh, a member of the legislature who was a member of the Ku Klux Klan uh, presented uh, a bill to add a fourth star, which was a confederacy. So they put two stars up top, two stars in the bottom. In 1924, they came back and amended it to put the one star at the top, which represented the Confederacy. All of this was going on while the litigation of the Elaine 12 were continuing, uh, which didn't reach a point of conclusion until 1925. And so I think when people look at that and you trace the history as to why that was added, it, it, I think it's pretty clear the intent uh, was for intimidation and not for historical uh, uh, perspective or or, or or honor or something like that. So go back, look at the history. Absolutely the debate should take place. Um, and it's up to the legislature. They'll do what they decide to do. But I think you have to look at, I think in this case, listen to the people that are talking about it and say why this bothers them. Do your research and then make, make your decision. And that's fine. But uh, there's certainly more to it than just you know, history. All right. We're out of time. JR, we won't meet next Thursday because okay. they're not meeting here next Thursday. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Taking right. Taking a day off, so you get an extra day off. And of course, you don't get any pay from me, but that's bottom right. line is you get another day off. I will talk to you a week, uh, a couple of weeks, and uh, we'll start it up again as the legislature gets back at it again as well. Sounds Thanks like for plan. coming by. Thanks, today. buddy. All right. J.R. Davis, Governor Spokesman. I'm Dave Ellswick. We'll be back. Next hour, Clowney, State Representative Clowney, going to be with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we move into the 3 o'clock hour of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Thursday. This is the last day this week that we'll be here at the, uh, the Capitol. Next week we'll be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday they're not meeting. They're taking some time off for spring break. Then the sprint begins for the end of the session, and we'll be here. We may be here Monday through Friday at that point because they got a lot of business they'll still be trying to get done. You know there's a lot of business to be done when the committee meetings are happening after session, especially on a Thursday. Yeah, this is this is. This is dragging. This is making me kind of drag, and I, I, it's kind of hard to imagine what it does for <laughs> yes. y'all. We have yeah. Nicole Clowney, Clowney here today to talk with us. Yeah, state representative, state representative Nicole Clowney here today, and um, so she's got an interesting bill. Uh, the way I found out about it, I guess, was um, I think I maybe saw it in the list of bills, but I just kind of lost track of it. And then you mentioned it to a group of kids, mm-hmm. and so I spoke with you afterwards about it and I asked you to come on and 
There you are. Thank right. you. And what's the what's the, the number for the bill? Well, thanks for having me. The bill is sixteen fifty or sorry seventeen fifty six House Bill seventeen fifty six. Okay, and I, we talked a little bit before you came on. You say you have uh, bipartisan support on this bill. I can imagine that's that's very true. How many how many Republicans have shown interest to be signed on to this piece of legislation? Well, there are no Republicans who were signed on as co sponsors, okay. but I've gotten a lot of Republican support in terms of their. Uh, you know, being willing to vote for the votes. it. Yes. Um, this is a bill that I think is not a partisan issue. It would protect uh, juveniles and it would also protect the parent-child relationship within the context of juvenile courts. And I think that's something that um, most legislators can get behind regardless of party. Okay. Why did this bill come up? Was this something that happened to, to you or to somebody you knew or and it, it got your attention or what? This issue got my attention when the Supreme Court ruled in 2017, I believe it was, in a case called Griffin, that while a juvenile who is charged with a juvenile crime has to have parental consent to waive their right to counsel, uh, the Supreme Court found in that case that a juvenile charged with an adult crime does not need parental knowledge or consent before they waive their right to counsel. This just struck me as a violation of everything we hold to be true about um, the way that juveniles are different from adults. Their decision-making processes are different. Their experiences are different. And the way that we think about the role that parents and guardians should play in juveniles' lives, which is to shepherd them through stressful and confusing times. Being in, you know, being the subject of an interrogation or a prosecution is certainly one of the most stressful and confusing times for an adult, let alone sure. a juvenile. So can you, maybe we need to go ahead and back up a little bit and tell us what the bill does. This bill would make it so that a juvenile charged with a crime, no matter what, whether it was an adult crime or juvenile crime, would always need parental consent before waiving the right to counsel. Well, that makes sense to me. I mean, as a parent, I don't want my child being interrogated if I'm not there. He's a child for a reason. He doesn't know how the criminal justice system works. I don't even know that well how the justice system works. I do know that you should probably shut up at times, and the best way to help a juvenile do that is to have an adult present. That's exactly right, and I am a lawyer. Um, I've been in courtrooms as a lawyer, and I am intimidated every time I walk into the courtroom uh, to expect a child to be able to make those life-altering decisions without being able to even consult their parent is is really something that I think the state should not be in the business of doing. So um, this would address that. I also think that with the current law, um, we run the risk of prosecutors overcharging juveniles as adults if they know that juveniles won't have those same protections if they're charged with an adult crime they may be more inclined to charge them with that higher crime it makes their job a little bit easier now of course i think most prosecutors are acting in good faith but we should have a system of laws that encourages good behavior, um, good behavior. exactly okay to make sure that this works and works i think the way that you would want it to work if a, if a young person is in the custody of uh, law enforcement, I mean, how long are they supposed to be trying to reach uh, a legal guardian to be to be there? I mean, is there a time restraint that they have to meet? Uh, I mean, surely it's got to be there has to be a, a an adult there. Maybe there's not a responsible adult for the child, or does it have to be court appointed, or what? 
Sure. So they are they are uh, entitled to a court court appointed attorney, uh, defense attorney, if they need that. Um, the way that this bill is written. Um, it's really about what type of evidence is uh, admissible in the law. So there may well be some sort of interrogation that, that happens before the minor has waived the right to counsel. If that happens, this bill would make that inadmissible. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering how long the police have to try to, I mean, do they have to call three, four times uh, if if the, the parent can't be reached or the parent's reached and says, I can't get down there or or whatever, we'll send somebody to get you. I, I'm still not going to come down. What do you, what what is the police supposed to be doing then? Under this bill, um, if the minor does not have the consent of a parent or guardian, they cannot waive the right to counsel. So basically, they would they would have an attorney appointed to them, and then that attorney would actually start to intervene on Correct. their behalf. Okay. Correct. So, okay. so basically, the chi- anything the child says prior to the attorney showing up or their parents showing up. Mm-hmm. Is basically inadmissible, okay? Because otherwise, a child can be kind of taken advantage of and maybe confess to something they didn't do. That's right. We want them to have a, a an adult looking out for their best interests and for their wishes at all times during the, the criminal investigation. Okay, so but um, I guess I maybe I'm not being clear here. How does the the, the law enforcement determine that there is a guardian available? How long do they have to? before they get an attorney in there with the kid? Uh, the, an attorney would need to come in pretty much immediately under the current oh, version of this okay. bill. Yes. In order for that attorney to be waived, you would need a parent or, or guardian. But the attorney would be involved as soon as proceedings begin. Okay. Okay. That makes that yeah. makes me feel better then. Yeah. So, so basically, basically, if the parents never show up, the kid gets an attorney. Correct. And so the, the Yeah. Well, the kid's getting an attorney no matter what right at the very beginning. That's right. So how would this actually have application in cases like speeding tickets or things like that? I, I suppose I suppose that it would apply to those as well. So, I mean, a speeding ticket, I don't, you, you wouldn't be charged under under a criminal adult crime in circuit court. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a traffic violation would work a little bit differently. Right. So you would have to be under this, under this bill, you have to be charged as an adult in the criminal division of the circuit court. Um, those are typically, re- you know, reserved for more serious offenses. Right. So it doesn't actually apply to, to minor offenses then, or... A person who is under 18 years of age charged in an adult court, yes, would be more more serious offenses. That's right. Okay. With that said, could I ask you to put the headphones on? We have a sure. caller who wants to ask you a question. Robbie, I know you're on the line. How are you today? Thanks for being part of the show. What's your, what's your question? Uh, good. I'm, I'm well. Uh, I, I, hope, I, I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but a minor cannot do any contract, so they can't waive their rights. It's like they can't sign up for... Um, uh, to buy a car on their own, so they shouldn't be able to waive the right on their own. But uh, going back to what he said about his traffic uh, ticket, well, what if the officer wants to search the vehicle? Uh, they don't necessarily know all the rights, but they waive their rights uh, to their Fourth and Fifth Amendment. Uh, is that admissible? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. Robbie, you were breaking up. I'm going to have let her try to answer. I think she made it out. Let her answer what you just asked. Thanks for your call. Go ahead. Thank you so much for this question. You're exactly right that we afford juveniles these these kinds of protections in all sorts of other situations. They deserve them here, too. Um, so I think, I'm trying I to remember think the, the question. question he was asking was, like, if a child is in driving a car, maybe they're 16 years old driving a car, and they get pulled over, an officer asks them searching the car for things consent to search the car. Can a child consent to that? No. 
No. Uh, under this bill, at any stage in the proceeding, a child cannot consent to any sort of uh, questioning, any sort of investigation without, uh, without either the presence of an attorney or parental consent to waive the right to counsel. So cool. That's a, that sounds pretty neat. So it would actually apply beyond just a... So, so if, a, if a cop shows up at your house and your 14-year-old daughter opens a door and a cop says, hey, I want to search your home because of this, that, or the other, the 14-year-old cannot consent to such things. Not if the if right the, sub, the if fourteen year old if the fourteen year old is the subject of that you know investigation. But, but that's their right. parents were the subject. They could probably they could probably I mean, apply. But yeah, I don't want to get too deep into yeah, okay, weeds sorry. here. Yeah, but yeah. Unless unless we are talking about the juveniles who are who are charged with crimes, right, juveniles right, who right, are right. themselves the defendants. All right, yeah. so let me jump in now and just say or or I'm sorry, let me specify or could be charged oh. with a crime. Yeah, at right. some point in the future, based right. on the interaction. Give us give us the age here of juveniles when we're using this definition. Under eighteen. Okay. And so, really, the age that we're looking at, uh, for all intents and purposes, is sort of that between sixteen and eighteen year old span. That's where we see the most of these kinds of cases. Okay. Yeah. So it's prior to that age, pretty well already covered in law, or it's is just, it just how it's applied? Right. Yeah. That's how it's applied. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is uh, on the docket for committees. Where where has it been? Where is it going? Has it gotten through the House? Has it got, is it heading over to the Senate? Where are we? It, it will be heard in the Judiciary Committee. As um, Paul knows well, we are that agenda has been stacked up. So we are just sort of fighting our way through, getting through those uh, bills. We are hoping to hear this sometime next week, I would imagine. Okay, so yeah. you're hoping for a vote in the House next week? We would run this through committee next week, which would mean we would hear it... Um, Ideally, maybe either Wednesday of next week or the beginning of the following week. Okay, and yeah. what's your what's your feelings? You usually have fairly good feelings about whether you think you got a good shot or not. What do you think? Uh, I think I've got a good shot. I do. I think that this is something, particularly uh, this session's Judiciary Committee has been very thoughtful and very um, very careful of protecting defendants' rights, and I think that we'll see that continue in this bill. All right. Yeah. We appreciate you coming on. Thank did you for cover, having me. Did we cover everything? I think we're good. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, we appreciate you coming by. I think it's a good piece of legislation. Right. I hope to see it uh, on the House floor and see what the debate there will be like. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, Thank let's you. take a break. We'll come back with more. It's 18 minutes after 3. Nicholas Horton is floating around. He's trying to get in front of one of the committees. If he does, he'll be a little late. If he doesn't, he'll be back shortly. This is Dave Ellswick Show with more after this. Hey, don't forget about Allstate Insurance. Uh, you know, Agent Dwayne Smith has his own insurance agency over in Sherwood. Uh, it is the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. His phone number, 501-819-0373. Here's what he'd like you to do. Just stop, you know, give him a call, set up an appointment, stop by, talk to Dwayne, talk to Jerry or any of the other people that are uh, in the uh, agency, and bring in... Your insurance, you know, bring in your uh, car insurance, uh, motorcycle, boat. Uh, maybe you want to bring in your, your home insurance or your uh, health insurance as far as, you know, life insurance goes, things of that nature. Set it down and uh, let's take and put that insurance up against what Allstate can do for you and see if they can't save you quite a bit of money. I mean, if they can't, no harm, no foul, except that you went over and spent some time with some really good guys that are, are uh, you know, veterans and great to talk to. Uh, but you'll, you, can, you might find that you're going to save a lot of money. Some people, you, you know, 
three, four, five, six hundred dollars a year. That's that's nothing to sneeze at. Their location's 3920 East Keel Avenue. That's 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. And again, it's Dwayne Smith. He's an agent. He's got the insurance agency, and he's an all-state agent. That's right. Mayhem does not rule at this insurance agency. 501-819-0373. All right, we're at the uh, State House or the Capitol. I always say State House, the Capitol. Some states, they call this the State House. Other states, they call it the Capitol. And here in Arkansas, this is known as the Capitol, my fault. The sausage facility. It's called the State House in Indiana. Really? No, you've got the you've got the governor's residence. All right, it's not the governor's house; it's mm-hmm. a people's house. I mean, they, they let him stay at the residence. Basically, is mm-hmm. how that works. But anyway, bottom line goes: uh, we're here on the third floor, house side. We just had Representative uh, Nicole Clowney. Clowney on from up in Northwest Arkansas, District Nine, I believe she said was I can't her district. What the district was. And uh, she got a good piece of uh, legislation. I believe it was HB seventeen fifty six. Sounds pretty reasonable. Yeah, I, and I, I can't remember the numbers, but the the thing is, I think it is reasonable for the police to um, respect that parent child relationship right up front and and bring the parents in before kind of intimidating the child into to basically incriminating themselves. And um, so, yeah, and. Part of it, I think the, the the main thrust of it was to disallow um, evidence, as far, from a standpoint of a child confessing to things or, or making statements and whatnot. And um, well, let's all be honest here. I mean, if you got a kid that has, for whatever reason, whether it's a serious, serious uh, felony kind of thing, or uh, if it's uh, something that's a misdemeanor, but yet the child has been taken into uh, police headquarters or whatnot. I think that a you know that kid needs to have a lawyer present from the word get go, and if possible, the um, the guardian or the parent should be there. I did, I don't know if they had any. I I didn't get a direct specific answer to my question about time. You know, how long are the police supposed to be reaching out to get a hold of a parent or getting a hold of a um, so from uh, getting a hold of a guardian before the lawyer would take over? I don't know. From, from what I gather, that the bill is specifically about a child's right to to um, to give up their right to an attorney. Apparently, a child doesn't have the right to give up give up um, their right to an attorney unless their parent does it for them. And if their parent never does it for them, either because their parents are just nowhere to be found or because their parents don't agree to it, then the child just gets an attorney, and then it goes from there. Hey, Jim, don't, don't run. Stand, sit down just for a second. <laughs> we, we roped somebody in here. Yeah, Doyle Webb was just walking by, and I, I want him to talk about Trey Gowdy, who's coming to town. That's great. We're excited about Trey Trey Gowdy. He's coming on June the 7th to our Reagan-Rockefeller dinner that will be at the Benton Event Center. Uh, There's only 800 seats, and we've already sold over half Mm. of those seats. They're $150 for the dinner. Uh, If you want a picture, it's $250 additional, uh, but we only have 60 pictures. 
to sell as well. But he is hot. I think he'll even be hotter once the Mueller report comes out because Trey has some knowledge in all that. If you want a ticket, call ArkansasGOP.org. You can go online, ArkansasGOP.org, or call 501-372-7301. Dave, you're a prince of a guy. I know that you're heading over towards the Senate side, it looks like. Well, there's ice cream sandwiches over there. Oh, okay. Well, I understand that. (laughs) Yeah, but the bottom line is this, is that uh, I couldn't let you get by because I knew the tray was coming, and that's going to be a special night. And it'll be at the Benton Event Center, great parking, great space and everything. We'll be back on the air. Okay. Thanks for stopping me. Thank you so much. All right. And is, of course, chairman of the GOP, Doyle Webb. Let him get on here and make that presentation to you because it's it's big deal to have Trey Gowdy in. You going to go hear him? I don't know that I want to spend the money on that, but Man, we'll see. Trey Gowdy is somebody that's really not all that expensive for a good dinner and then to hear a, a good speaker like that. We'll see. See, I think that's better than, look, I'm, and I'm a Palin <laughs> fan, but... I would want to hear Gowdy talk before I'd want to hear Palin talk. Quite possibly. You know? Yeah, now, the only one that, out of all of them that I'd want to hear beyond anybody else is if Trump came again. That would be a... That, that was very a, interesting. A, a pro- probably a higher priority for me. But First time that he came, and we were the first state to invite him. You know, for all people speak... Uh, some people speak down about... About Doyle Webb, but as a as as a chairman was a of the party, call, wasn't it? he's done he's done pretty good. He, we were the first state to throw in behind Trump. I remember talking to people saying, "That's just stupid to do that to to get you know it, it, be the people bring, bring him in here. In. That was a, he's going to be so divisive for the Republican Party." Blah 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 blah. And a, as far as I'm concerned, uh, he lived up to the moniker that I've always had with him. If you if you're Somebody that people need to hear, he brings them in. Well, and it was, and he's it, right. If he, if he gets here after the right after the Mueller report is released, wow, you won't want to miss it. Then I'm just telling you, it'll be really crazy. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be. All right, look, we got news coming up. Hopefully, Nicholas Horton will be back with us here uh, in a few moments. He's down hanging out around a committee that he's hoping to testify in front of. These guys are here for a reason, not just to be on my show, but we try to grab them and and get them on when we can. Uh, We've got other people coming up in the 4 o'clock hour as well. We'll let you know who that's going to be as we uh, continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Let's go back uh, for just a moment and talk a little bit more about... uh, Representative uh, Clowney's piece of legislation, which I think is a solid piece of legislation uh, from what we've been told about it. I Maybe if I, I can be at the uh, Judicial Committee when it's heard and hear some questions that perhaps prosecutors and defenders have about it, uh, I could be swayed away from my initial feel for it. My feel is a simple one. If my child, who is uh, not yet 18, uh, is brought in because of something and uh, uh, they're going to question him about it, I need to be there. Right. You want to know. You want so to know. I know what's going on. Right. You, you want to be able to give them counsel. And, and not just and then I want a counsel there. So automatically, there's going to be a counsel there until 
I show up, and if I bring my own counsel for my son or daughter, yeah. then I can switch them out. Sure. At the very least, it prevents the child from being able to waive their own right to an attorney. And, and basically, because kids are dumb, let's face it, sometimes they will say almost anything. Sometimes it's not even true because they're being um, kind of intimidated into well, Let me give you a good, a good example. I lived in, in Texas uh, for about nine years working in radio down there and uh, my son was arrested with his buddy Mm -hmm. because unbeknownst to my son and I know this for a fact now that because the the other kid said so Mm -hmm. uh, the other kid was trying to sell a gun that a friend of his had given him to uh, another person, and mm-hmm. my son was there. He was present, and uh, the pol- it happened to be the person that was trying to, that was doing the the buying was a police officer, undercover nice. police department yeah. officer, and uh, you know my son was just standing there, not doing anything, but he got the bracelets as well, hmm. and they they took him into the police station, and uh, in Texas. They got to call you if you're a parent. Right. And my at the time, my son was about 16 and a half. Mm-hmm. And out of the middle of in the middle of the night, I get the call and and uh, I go down to the police station. They told me what it was about. Went in and heard everything was going on. And I I I looked at my my son and I said, "Okay, I don't want you to say anything else." I said, uh, "We'd like an attorney." And uh, they stopped questioning immediately, mm-hmm. and uh, the attorney came, and uh, uh, the attorney says, I suggest that, you know, we all get together and talk about this before mm-hmm. we answer any more questions, and yep. that ended it. And I just think, and it came out, my son was innocent. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what John would have said. Right. You know, right. with a police officer looking at him and mm-hmm. questioning him. And yeah, might have given himself Doesn't have me sitting there. Doesn't have a lawyer sitting there to give him any uh, legal advice. Uh, I just think that, that I think Clowney's got a good piece of yeah, legislation. Sounds, sounds to me like she's kind of on the right track there. Speaking about legal beagles, yeah. got one here. Mr. House, how are you today? I'm just glad they let me come. <laughs> Yesterday, man, you were revved up on the on the floor of the, the house dark, talking uh, about uh, dark money. HB 1705, about that dark money stuff. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, I've heard folks were listening. Well, it's good. That's <laughs> good. They should have been listening. I got to tell you what. That's all about freedom of speech. I mean, I thought the Supreme Court settled all that with Citizens United. Well, they had some what's called dicta, D-I-C-T-A. Okay. Dicta is like, oh, and while we're here, why don't we talk about something else that really is not germane to the case? Okay. And then that gets quoted as authority in some other case. Dicta is kind of like, oh, and by the way. Here's uh, another opinion. Yeah. Okay. doesn't count. Okay, so Stephen Meek's going to join us in just a moment. I just wanted yeah. to uh, talk with you. What was, from what I could tell, you were totally against this. You were against it in committee, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah I was. Yeah, you spoke okay, about so it in committee. What was it about? See, dark money, here's my definition of dark money. It's dark money when it's not benefiting me. It, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's good money, you know, when it's on your... That's right. Hey, dark money is not a new phenomenon. Uh, Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson 
bought competing newspapers so they could slander each other back and forth anonymously. And we're talking about the late 1700s. This is not new. Right. It's never been new. And, and uh, you know, I... And listen, I, I, I do, I really do love both Courtney Goodson and David Sterling, and that's where it came up. Yeah. They are both fine people. They are both good lawyers. And um, uh, and by law, David could not participate whatsoever. In he what couldn't even said. say anything. He couldn't even respond to it. I know. And uh, and I think he was embarrassed about it. And, and as it turned out, I think a lot of that ricocheted off of her and back onto him. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you can... Uh, People are not stupid. They realize when folks are slandering somebody else or using gossip and rumors, folks are not dumb. And and I really uh, I didn't appreciate the attitude of, well, these poor people don't know what they're doing. We have two or three of those issues, like minimum wage, for instance. Mm-hmm. People know what they're doing. People voted in marijuana. I didn't like it. People, but it's, people are not stupid. Okay, but let me just ask this uh, of you. And we've had Mark Johnson on. Mark Johnson says the Constitution of, of Arkansas says here in the legislature, if there's a if there's an initiated act that's passed by the by the people, you all can go back back and and defeat it with a two thirds vote in both the, the House and, and the Senate. Uh, if we start seeing some really bad things happening because of the minimum wage, you know what. You know, people that have an extra person working for them, now they got to let them go because they can't afford to give them a raise and things of that nature. Might we see this get revisited by the legislature? Well, that's the whole purpose of that provision in there. If you have an initiated act or an initiated constitution amendment and something does go horribly wrong, then the legislature can step up and say, uh, hey, you know, we got to fix this. Stop the bleeding. Yeah, and, you know, and there were a lot of unanswered un- unanswered questions and unworkable situations in the marijuana amendment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had to get everything done in 30 days or 60 days, whatever it was, but the Administrative Procedures Act requires 120. Right. Well, you know, physically, you couldn't do what the amendment said to do within the time frame. So, you know, things like that. And uh, uh, so, but everything we passed in the legislature was very pro-marijuana and pro-business for the marijuana. But uh, we've got a group of people that want to use every legal means they can, you know, for instance, to obstruct it. You know, I don't have any use for it. I don't need it, praise God. But at the same time, there are people that do. And they're going to find out there's a movement going on right now that's, you know, talking about decriminalizing the possession, manufacture, delivery of That will be on the ballot on 2020. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, and and I'm not very familiar with marijuana. Maybe you've been studying it more here recently. From what people tell me, alcohol is more dangerous. Do you think that's a fair statement? Uh, You know, that's the difference between a pistol and a buoy. That's right. You know, (laughs) either one of them can hurt you, and either one of them can be of of service to you. Mm -hmm. I think it's the difference between a thirty-eight and a fifty cal. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Till all, they'll both kill you in the end. That's the bottom line. But you know, there's an old saying. I think it was. uh, It's been quoted in the in the newspaper quite a bit. You know, the people know what they want, and they deserve it to get it good and hard, right? (laughs) And so. uh, <laughs> uh, and I, uh, I forgot who the, who the author of that quote mm-hmm. was, but the people voted for the the uh, minimum wage, and uh, yeah, we have the authority to go in and change it. Mm-hmm. But they knew what they were doing. The arguments were made. 
respect the people's wishes. That's what the governor said. And well, and, and I can I can kind of understand that point of view. At some point, sometimes the kid is just so dumb. Let him go touch the stove. Yeah. That's, sometimes it's it's that's the most effective way for the kid to you learn. Know, and I un- I understand somebody. that, but a lot of the people that are going it's going to hurt people. It's not yeah, going to hurt. It's people. not going to burn the person who who probably voted Fast. for it, but. Mm-hmm. The, the small businessman may take it's, it on yes, the it's, chin it's, because that's of That's an absolute fact. Yeah. That is an absolute Continuing truth. to run more and more small businesses out of business and, and continuing to, to drive us more toward the box stores, I think. Well, you know, that uh, people possible. are entitled to make mistakes, yeah. just like, you know, you have to let kids sometimes make mistakes growing up. And I'm not that people are kids, but... Uh, they are when it comes to economics. Doug, you know that. No. <laughs> <laughs> What well, can I say? When, you, when most people learn their economics training from from a government institution, it's probably well, not going to go don't even, real well. They don't even learn it there. Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't even learn it there because there's so many schools now don't teach econ, don't teach political science, don't teach squat. Well, the, the lack of teaching is still a form of teaching. I think at the end of the day, they're they're teaching socialism instead of sure. instead of brains. Before, before I let you go, I got to ask you one question. Sure. What's going down with the pensions? Are people are people understanding what you've been telling them? Well, yeah, those that, that are hollering the loudest understand it the best. Uh, just the latest figure, for instance, uh, in our teacher retirement, and I've got the paperwork to prove it. It's their accounting numbers, not mine. They're about seven billion with a B in the hole. That's the teachers, right? That's the teachers' retirement system. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, are they going to miss a check next week or next month? No. No, but you know, and and they think it's the greatest system since you know sliced bread. So did Bernie Madoff's customers. <laughs> they thought it was great too until the cows came home to roost. Right. So, so that light at the end of the tunnel may not be the end of the tunnel. Uh, Maybe no. the train. No. It uh, eventually the day of reckoning comes. And, right. And uh, but I, I'm going to say this for my colleagues and for and for the people that run the systems. They know what the problem is now, and that's Good. been my objective. If they choose not to fix it, that's all right. It'll fix itself. It's a self-correcting problem. All right. So before we let you go, let me just say uh, you're looking awful dapper today. I have had many compliments today. Miss House lays my clothes out on the bed, <laughs> and it's very easy for me to get dressed in the morning. I want to look. I mean, I'm liking that kind of tangerine that you got on here. Yeah, whatever you'd call it, yeah. <laughs> Peach. I like peach. Peach, peach. okay. That's a peach <laughs> look. So you're looking peachy today. Yeah, yeah there you there go. There you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> See you, Dave. We'll catch you ball. next week. All right. So Dave Ellswick Show. Get a break. And Stephen Meeks is standing in the wings and ready to go on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. State Representative Stephen Meeks is with us uh, from the uh, Conway area, Greenbrier uh, area. is where his uh, uh, district lies. And with that in mind, let's talk about something we've talked to him but this is about the fourth time we brought you on to talk yep. about this, yep. a 911 bill. bill. It's, this is an important piece of legislation. Very I want important. everybody to understand this is important. This is, you pick up the phone, you call 911, and you get an ambulance or a police car or whatever you need to come to your home, and you want to make sure that it happens without saying, can you hold uh, while we take, you know, <laughs> exactly. send you somewhere? It happened to me. It's, it's something that happens. So with that uh, going down, I had talked to you just yesterday when you came by. Right. And there was no consensus on that bill, mm. and then all of a sudden today it, it all collapsed together. Everything kind of fell into place, and so. it passed out of mm-hmm. committee. 
Uh, out of the House. Out of the House. Oh, so, through so the, it went all the way through the House. It's, it's through the House, heading to the Senate. And, uh, there's an amendment uh, that we've uh, agreed to that will be added down there, and uh, I, I think we'll be, we'll be set. Okay. So uh, counties can say here in, what, uh, by July of this year? Is that what that's when at? it'll kick in, and then there's there'll be a, uh, a transition period to take place. But yes, by next year, it should be fully implemented. So people, are we going? Does the bill prescribe a particular type of of, uh, of um, equipment to be used so that everybody will be using basically the same thing? No, uh, it doesn't prescribe that, but uh, in, in the past the uh, the PSAPs, the public service answering points, these are the 911 call centers essentially, um, they kind of sprang up on their own. So there was no organization on a statewide level. It was all done on a local level, so we kind of get a patchwork quilt along or, or across the state. A lot of the PSAPs are using very similar equipment because of what's on the market and so on. Uh, but what we're doing with this bill is we're creating a 911 board to create uniformity across the state and to help in situations where, uh, you know, how do the PSAPs talk to each other in, in situations where transfers do have to take place? Uh, what kind of equipment are they using? Funding that's all going to be handled by this one board. And this board's going to have a little bit of authority to make sure that that happens. Whereas in the past, None of that was occurring. So you're going to have somebody who's basically going to be kind of a go-to person to help these organizations get it right. Correct. Correct. So they'll, they'll set the standards for the state, and uh, the board has uh, uh, representatives from the, uh, you know, basically most of the first responders, you know, police and fire. Um, there's a, as I recall, there's a dispatcher, some person who actually answers the phone. Um, there's someone from Adam. So there's, uh, I think it's about a 10-member board is what we put together on, on here, county judges. and uh, So everyone will have a voice on that board, and then that board will be responsible for establishing these best practices and getting everyone talking, and uh, with that will come the funding. Okay. Now, with the funding, mm-hmm. uh, that's been one of the big sticky points. Right, and that's where uh, the fight was. For us up in Lone Oak, uh, you had... You know, Cabot only wanted to spend so much money, and then the uh, the county only wanted to spend so much money, and Lone Oak only wanted to spend so much money. And what happened is nobody spent enough money, right. and you had a really, you know, piece of doo-doo right. out there. Right, and and unfortunately, emergencies are something we don't think a whole lot about until the emergency exists. Yeah, and, until and, it happens. And, and, and so... Uh, what we're doing with the funding piece, and, and this is where I had some concern, um, what we ended up with, I can live with. It's not what I would have liked in an ideal situation, but that's how politics works. Um, so how is it going to work? So how it's going to work is on cell phones, there's going to be a dollar uh, thirty uh, charge on there. I think right now it's $0.65. Cents. The uh, charge on landlines is going to stay essentially the same. Uh, we well, were want- dying anyway. Right. We, we, we were tr- going to try to consolidate that into one more uniform fee, uh, but then there was a lot of discussion about the high-cost fund that muddied the waters, <laughs> and it, it just kind of blew things up. Uh, and so, and that's what I was pushing for was one consolidated fee to simplify everything, and to also to create a uh, funding mechanism to try to support the development of broadband within the state. So, unfortunately, in this final bill, we couldn't get there, so there won't be that broadband piece. And uh, it looks like we'll leave the session. We had the one bill that we passed earlier in the session that will help, but um, 
I don't think it's going to get us as far along as, as I would have liked. We'll just, just put it that way. Um, the one change that will be coming is, as we've talked about in the prior visits, the bill says that we're going to go from 127 PSAPs down to 77 PSAPs. Some of the county judges contacted me and said there was concern about that because of the uh, the way that the PSAPs are organized within their, their county, and they were concerned that it was going to create some inefficiencies and actually maybe be a step backwards. And so the one concession for an amendment that I got was to allow that 911 board the ability to change that hard number of 77. On any number it was based on anything in particular. It was just a, a goal to shoot for. And this will allow that 911 board to, on a case-by-case basis, make adjustments to that as it makes sense. And there, there are probably going to be situations where, where it might make sense to have two. You know, for example, we've got two in Faulkner County. They seem to be working very well together. Um, and, and there may be some uh, benefit to allowing that to happen. Uh, under the 77 hard rule, they may be forced to go down to one, in which case it may not work as well for them. So that's, we created some flexibility, and that also allows, you know, maybe in the future uh, we can drop below 77, down to 75, or, you know, it, it just creates flexibility within that rule, and that was the one concession that uh, I was able to get from, from the Senate on, on that bill. Um, the other thing that it does is it provides funding for the AWIN system. The last time we talked, it was uh, going to be about a $12 million uh, funding for them we pushed that down now to eight million is what they said they could live with and um, so that will ensure that the AWIN system which for listeners who are not familiar with the AWIN system that's the Arkansas Wireless Information Network and that's the network that our first responders use during an emergency to talk to each other so the state police can talk to the local fire department can mm-hmm. talk to the county sheriff's so office like and a, so forth like an independent cell phone service right. just for them right okay. right or a two-way wireless so two-way. wireless is, yeah. is it is it a radio signal radio. or is it a, it is a radio yeah radio signal, yeah but so it's, it's, not, it's a long range right so it, you know it, it, you're, you're talking off of a tower just like you would with cell phone but okay. it's using uh, like a Motorola radio they're they're the carrier okay. and uh, it allows you know somebody in Texarkana could conceivably talk to somebody in West Memphis if so they be. so they piggyback off of towers whereas right if you, if you and I go out and buy a two way radio right mm-hmm. now it might go a couple miles right but with a with a tower system it'll actually pigger, piggyback right across the state right um, and and this funding mechanism is going to help us to get that system up to where it needs to be it's just fallen in disrepair over time uh, they've told us that they're actually buying parts off eBay because of their, the equipment's no longer manufactured and wow. and uh, and that's not good so with the with the nine one one system. Got is one it going to be fully state funded, or is it still going to be kind of funded funded partially by local? Partially local. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, there, uh, the the, the uh, funds that we're thinking it'll generate is twenty four million dollars. Mm-hmm. So eight million dollars will go to the AWIN system, and then the majority of the balance will then go from from the nine one one board will then go down to the counties for to support nine one one. All right, you stay with us for a few minutes. Sounds good. Because when we come back, let's talk about tablets and things of that nature is everybody going to be under this extra 65 cents a month so we'll talk all about that when we come back trying to get things set up here in this state that your 911 system will work completely and uh, accurately that's coming back when we return on the dave ellswick show all right back with you don't forget five o'clock hour uh repeat of the uh uh interview i did with jr davis the governor's spokesman you won't want to miss it it was interesting 
just put it that way. It was interesting. It was, it was lively. It was a lively interview. It really, really was. But with that said, we've got uh, State Representative Steve Meeks here, and we've been talking about the 911 bill. It passed today. Uh, went to the to the floor of the House, correct? And correct. It passed the passed House. There. Mm-hmm. What was the vote? Do you remember? Oh, it was overwhelming. I think there's only two or three nays. No, oh, good, good. Yeah. So yeah. over to the Senate it goes. You guys have already agreed to one amendment that's correct. being added, and you figure with that amendment uh, it's going to make its way as, through the Senate as, much no problem. As far as we know, that's the, that's the case. Okay, well, that's this is good news. Subject to change. It's, some, but it's something that has to be done. It really, really is a, something that needs yeah, to be and, done. And, I, and our senators know that, so I, and I have no doubt that they'll, yep. they'll move this one along. So now it comes down to money. Mm-hmm. Always money. Right. It, it's always the, that's always the fly in the ointment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So you said it's going to be an additional sixty-five cents per cell phone. Correct, or, okay. or access line. Okay, so okay, that's what I want to say. It doesn't right. say cell phone; it says access line. Mm-hmm. So let's let's just kind of. I'm going to, I'm, I'm so, going to do so a, a little bit of quick math here for mm-hmm. everybody, so we all know what this is going to mean to the average uh, Arkansan that's 15, out there. Fifteen dollars. No, well, the total is one thirty. If it's let's say it's sixty-five cents. Each additional line, all right? So let's say you got four cell phones and a family of four. You know, Susie and, or Buffy and, and Jody each have one. Mom and Dad have one. So that's 65 cents times four. Mm-hmm. That's $2.60 right. additional. Plus, let's say you got, I'm just going to say, two tablets uh, to it as well. So that's an additional uh, 65 plus 65. Is three ninety a month times twelve is one hundred and ten dollars and fifty cents extra a year. That's kind of significant, mm-hmm. really, when you think mm-hmm. about it. How much money did you guys think it was going to take to make this all work? And is it possible we'll see some of that money maybe be peeled back later? Potentially. So this is expected to raise $24 million per year, and um, it'll go to, as we said, 911 and AON to make sure we've got our 911 system where it needs to be. And, uh, but that's just a guess. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get all of the information from all the carriers to know exactly how, how many, many people, people have or how, how many, many devices, devices are, are out there. Yeah, it's, it's more under, of a device thing. Right. And so this is a conservative estimate. And you're right, it could be much more. And we'll have to we'll monitor that and adjust accordingly. If this is the case, let's say it's more. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's significantly more. Right. Maybe it's twice what I'm saying, all right? right. And so, uh, you know, you got millions of additional dollars. Would we see that money kind of reverse back to the people, or might we see you all take up and saying, well, we could use this for broadband? Uh, either one of those is possible. The... Um, the the money will sit in the uh, into a trust fund that it is uh, controlled or run by the nine one one board, and uh, if 
there's extra money, then they can either use it to help fill the gaps because they even the $18 million, you spread that across 75 counties or 127 PSAPs trying to get down to closer to the to, to mid-70s, uh, that's not a lot per PSAP. I know Faulkner County is looking at a $600,000 shortfall. Other counties are looking at in similar ranges. And uh, so $18 million divided by you know 75, if you do some quick math, it's, it doesn't fully so, cover so where did that. where the $18 million come from? Earlier we are talking about $24 million. What well, is well 24 is total. Total. And so part of that goes to the A-Win system, okay. and the other, okay. the other part goes to... I mean, yeah, and, and there's a small piece for administration. There's a small okay. piece for training, things like that. Okay. But, but So 18 is left over for the 911 right, system, and right. the, then there's about... What do you say? Eight? Eight for, for A-Win. For A-Win, which A-win. is the police. Okay, right. So how many people make up this commission, and how is the, how is the commission made up as far as who... Do they get appointed? Correct. They're they're appointed. And uh, let's see here. He's reaching for his the briefcase. Uh, I'm going to reach for my pre- briefcase, which actually has a copy of the 50-page bill. Okay. And uh, that way, that I was, way, I, I was can, wondering I, why you were leaning when you were walking with that. That's right. Yep. Yeah, my arms do get sore after a while carrying all this. If stuff you had around. the 2,000-page bill for the re- the. The change in government, you'd have to be wearing something to protect against exactly. the hernia. Yeah, thankfully we we're, we do live in the electronic age, so we yeah. can read most of our bills electronically. Yeah, when the Wi-Fi is working. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well, one of the perks of being a lawmaker is we have our own separate system that uh, we're on. All right, so let me peel the, peel the bill out here. Okay. Flip to the right page. As many times as I've read this bill, I should have it memorized by now, but not as many times as it's been changed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's been a long week. Yes, it has been. Okay, let's see. So this is the authority. Yeah, and for the folks listening, if you ever have trouble getting some uh, sleep one night, just <laughs> yeah, open your browser, download a bill, and try to read it. And try and try to read it. Yeah, and stay awake. Yep. And right, today. Okay, so here we go. Uh, so the board will be uh, have the following members: the director of the Department of Emergency Management, or their designee; the auditor of state will have a designee; the uh, geographic information officer will have a designee. They're the ones that lay out the maps for the nine one one system. Okay. There'll be a county judge uh, appointed by the Association of Counties. There'll be a mayor appointed by the Municipal League. There'll be a nine one one coordinator, director, or uh, telecommunications. Uh, telecommunicator, so that would be the the person answering the phone. Uh, one from the Speaker of the House, one from the Pro Tem of the Senate. There's one uh, police chief, and then the governor will appoint a emergency management director from a political subdivision, one sheriff, a representative of a medical service, and one fire chief. Well, there's a lot of people there. Yep. It is a lot of people, and and you got to get a buy-in from the majority of them, correct? Correct, yeah. And most things, it's simple majority, uh, except for that expansion of the the number allowed in the state. That's a two-thirds majority. But the important thing is you have a voice from everybody that's involved in this. So hopefully they bring their wisdom to the table to make sure that we get the best system for our citizens as possible. So so that everybody who's on there knows their stuff. Exactly. So this is a tax increase. Does it require 75% to pass it? No. It doesn't. Okay. So mm-hmm. where, where does that come in? Um, I, um, as I recall, those are generally items related to things in the Constitution. Okay. Um, so I think 
and you have to forgive me. It's been a long week, but um, I think that's related to more things like income tax cuts and you know the, okay. the bigger picture items. Okay. This this is a cash fund, and so it doesn't require that. Okay, because okay. it doesn't. Yeah. All right. You had another piece of legislation. There was a resolution, I believe, mm-hmm. to celebrate the 50th anniversary, 50th anniversary of Apollo 11. That's uh, Neil Armstrong, if I'm not mistaken, right. walking on the walking on the moon. Uh, has that been up on the floor of the house yet? Not yet. I just filed it yesterday, and uh, I'll probably hold it until we get a little bit closer to the end of session. It's just a, a you know nice feel good bill to uh, maybe start to wind things down as we get closer. Uh, and what it does is it commemorates the 50th landing of the moon anniversary. It's amazing. And here we are, 50 years later, and we can't land on the moon today. Now, if we want, I to. have asked that question several times, mm-hmm. Stephen. Mm-hmm. We've got more computer power now than they cell phone. ever. Yeah, that they, than they could ever dream of. Mm-hmm. What's the big hang-up of going back? Uh, just everything that's involved in it. You know, during the the space shuttle era, the space shuttle was designed only for low Earth orbit. That's correct. Yeah, and it communications, no big deal. Right, and it, it wasn't designed to go out beyond the orbit of the uh, Earth, and so we had no capability to go beyond low Earth orbit. And with uh, the retirement of the space shuttle, in order for us to get back to the moon, we're essentially having to develop the hardware almost from scratch. I mean, we we have, we, you, lo- have you looked at the Orion? Have mm-hmm. you looked at the at mm-hmm. the capsule? Mm-hmm. It looks like the Apollo capsule. Yeah. Yeah. Just bigger. Just bigger. Just bigger and more fancier Old electronics. Six people. Yep. And it's amazing. They figured out all they figured out all that fifty years ago. And uh, thankfully we've got a template we can use to follow. Now obviously with the uh, future moon missions that we're looking at, there are some major modifications. You know, we're trying to do the lunar outpost to act as a waypoint uh, between Earth and landing. To Mars. And Mars. then eventually to Mars. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so so back when they did this, they were using basically big old clunky switches mm-hmm. basically big solenoid switches that was yes. the, that was the equivalent of a transistor of, com- yeah. of a computer so they had mm-hmm. basically big old circuits just yep. just so you know the computer power they had on the apollo missions mm-hmm. commodore 64 mm-hmm. was it even yeah. that powerful yep. just about yeah that's probably and it weighed what a ton yeah i'm sure it did well the other stuff, all the all the camp uh, if you've not seen well, the, the movie about mm-hmm. how they did all the the numbers and stuff, they had the big, big, you know, big blue in, mm-hmm. the, in the room uh, computer mm-hmm. from IBM working mm-hmm. on it. And they had all that. You had the cards and the whole nine Slide yards. Slide rules. Yeah. Yep. Well, yep. That's how a lot I of their that people don't even know what I'm talking about. Yep. Well, I, mean, I do. You look, I look, one. you look at some of the stuff people used to do 100 years ago, mm-hmm. and some of the machinery was... Yeah, they did some pretty fine stuff back oh, then. Oh yeah, I think. yeah, for what they had. Yeah. That's right. And so this is so I, you know this resolution is as much about celebrating the greatest generation as it is about celebrating that moon landing. You guys should and, look in and get him buzzed to come. Oh, I'd love to. Well, actually, what I did he is he would come. You know, I don't know. Well, that would be great. Uh, I, one of the things I did look into was uh, how many astronauts from Arkansas have been into space. I thought that'd be interesting for our members yeah, to know. And I, I was afraid the number was going to be zero. 
Uh, but I was pleased to find it. It, it was not. Um, Richard Covey, who was born in Fayetteville, yep. he uh, was a commander of uh, STS-26. That was a return-to-flight mission right after the Challenger disaster. He was actually the one that was on the uh, capsule communicator. He was the one talking with the Challenger crew mm-hmm. and uh, wow. when, when that happened. So he uh, he said he wanted to be on the next flight, and so he was a pilot in the next flight. So he was from here, born here in Arkansas. And then um, uh, Mr. Par- Parzanski, uh, he was a veteran of, uh, I think, five spacewalks. Uh, he lives in Texas now. And uh, so he was the other Arkansan. And, uh, you know, hopefully with NASA going back, maybe one of our kids today will be the first Arkansan to walk on the moon. And, you know, maybe, maybe walk Mars. on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's part of my. my uh, I hope to live long enough to see us. Yeah. I see, at that point, I, I've seen man walk on the moon. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see somebody walk on another planet. planet. Yes. I think that would be just awesome. That'd and, be incredible. And uh, that you'll be, for the people who are alive now and the ones that are going to be born and waiting for that to happen and mm-hmm. be in their 20s when it happens, mm-hmm. when it happens, you will be stunned how the world will we'll come react. together. Yep. It does. It comes. Mm-hmm. Were you alive? No, fifty years ago you weren't alive. No, no, no I'm none not, of you no, were. I'm I was. Man. I'm the only one here that actually, you know, I ran home from. I was out at the drive-in watching mm-hmm. Go Ape with the Planet of the Apes that night, and zipped back to my house and early in the morning sat in front of my TV right. with wonder, mm-hmm. watching these pictures of Neil mm-hmm. Armstrong hopping around on the moon. Right, right. Yeah, my dad's told me stories about how they. It's an amazing. You know, it, it's an, it's an amazing story about what it did. Not only for the United States, but for the world. For the world, yeah. That was a very tumultuous time. So yeah. That was, yeah. 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 Everybody was getting shot. Yeah. Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, mm-hmm. all the people who died in Vietnam War. We can go on and on about what was going on in 68 right. and 69. Yeah, and that was a very bright uh, bright spot in all that. It was. It, yeah. yeah. And a lot of and, dimness. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and this is kind of maybe switching gears a little bit, but uh, a bill that we passed a couple of weeks ago regarding the driverless cars in the state. Yeah. Uh, I posted something on that on Facebook saying that we passed this very forward-looking bill trying mm-hmm. to get ready for this. And I had some folks who responded to me and said that, uh, you know, that's just wishful thinking. You guys should be working on more pertinent issues. Yeah. And it's I, not I, wishful thinking. It's here. It's here, yeah. And I, I think a lot of our citizens and so that uh, sometimes they don't realize that this stuff is actually out there. There, there are cars that are driving In themselves. In five years, yes. I'm telling you, driverless cars going to be all over the road. Yeah. If you can eliminate the need for car insurance, which I think that will almost do, mm-hmm. it may actually make travel quite a bit cheaper. Yep. Yeah, cheaper and safer, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe more frustrating because driverless cars won't speed. That's all right, but they, but they can tailgate. No, that's true. That's true. You better believe they can tailgate. Yeah. Oh, because they'll, they'll be talking to each other. That's right. So, yeah. so you might be able to get a lot more cars on the same. That's road. true. Well, we raised the speed limit. Well, we passed a bill yesterday out of the House to raise the speed limit to 75, so it's going to the Senate. Okay. And two years ago, we told them to study it, and they never did. This time, if the bill passes, we're telling them to to actually raise the speed limit. Thank you very much. You know, so that, coming to a highway near you. That's pretty bad when you guys tell them to study and come back to you and they don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the people who are at the top should get fired mm-hmm. for not doing it. All right. With that said, I'll mm-hmm. let you go today. Awesome. By the way, I said that. Stephen did not say that. <laughs> keep, yes. that in, keep that in mind. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. You gentlemen right. have a good weekend. State, uh, State Representative Stephen Meeks. Hey, there's this guy sitting here. He's got this really nice looking blue tie on. Get up on the microphone there. <clears throat> Nick Horton's here. How you doing, Nick? 
Doing great. I got to take a break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more. But uh, you're working Working diligently. Working hard. All right. We'll talk about it when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is a guy I love bringing on because I remember when he was just writing his own blog, and now he's one of the guys to talk to if you want to talk about, you know, what's going on with, I guess, Arkansas Works and all that kind of stuff. He keeps close tabs on all of that. And uh, you're here because uh, you're going to be talking a couple of bills that are going to be yep. heard Tuesday. Tell yep. us what they are and what's important about them. Yeah, yeah, a couple of great bills, um, both related to welfare reform uh, and, and reforming the food stamp program. HB 1731, uh, carried by Representative Grant Hodges, a great bill, uh, something a lot of states are starting to do now to require individuals to cooperate with child support enforcement Mm -hmm. if they want to continue to receive food stamps. And this is a bill that uh, he worked on last session, got 77 votes in the House, Uh, eight, nine Democrats voted for it as well. Just kind of a common sense uh, reform to say, you know, if you're not going to do your part to take care of kids in Arkansas that need their child support, we as a state, we as taxpayers are not going to continue to reward you for that less than one in four kids in arkansas that are on food stamps get the child support that they're owed that's wrong and and with this bill we have an opportunity to use a mechanism that is a a state option in federal law to say we're going to uh you encourage people to pay their child support if they want to continue to receive those benefits that makes sense absolutely makes sense What's the other? Uh, HB 1775, uh, sponsored by Representative Mary Bentley. Oh, this uh, is about the food and food stamps, right? This is a work requirement for okay, food stamps. Okay, we yes, had sir. her That's, on yesterday yep, about this. Yep, a work requirement. If you're an able-bodied adult and you want to continue to get food stamps in Arkansas, uh, you know, the requirement's about eight hours a week. Uh, you know, just over an hour a day, and I don't think that's too much to ask. I think uh, if you're duh. if you're not disabled and and you can contribute, uh, we need you. You know, off the sidelines and and contributing. Um, and so I think it's a great bill. Um, another chance. You know, you talked about Arkansas Works and the work requirement there, uh, the existing food stamp work requirement. This is just another step that we can take to make sure that our welfare programs in Arkansas are operating as really a launching point for people and not just a trap or a way of life. So okay, if you, so if you won't you, work, you won't eat. So you've been on this show enough that you know when I tell you I get 45 seconds, that that's what I mean. So yes, sir. 45 seconds. Arkansas is doing a lot more than other states about forcing people to work to get these benefits. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, I, I'm really privileged and proud, honestly, to be able to travel to other states, and we work in about 35 states, 40 states now, and to be able to point to Arkansas and say, look what we're doing. We're the first state uh, in history to implement a work requirement for able-bodied adults in Medicaid. Nobody had ever done it before. Uh, The food stamp work requirement that Governor Hutchinson put back in 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 2016, Um, we're a leader on that issue as well, and we've seen the results of that and that folks are better off now than they were before. And um, I'm really, really proud of that work, and this is a chance to keep going. All right. We'll come back, talk a little bit more with Nick, and then we have some other folks in the wings. That's all coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. We've got 25 minutes remaining for the live show. Last hour, of course, is a recording of the uh, interview I did in the first hour with J.R. Davis, Governor Spokesman. Some great discussion in that hour. you want to hear it. A lot of important things discussed. Stick around uh, to hear that. We do that 
Five o'clock hour is the biggest listening hour that we got, and we think that you should hear what's coming out of the governor's office. Nick Horton is with us right now. Who are you with now, Nick? I don't even know. Well, uh, in my day job is uh, with the Foundation for Government Accountability. Okay. Um, when I'm up here working on bills, I'm representing the Opportunity Solutions Project, which is a C4 advocacy or advocacy organization so we're up here um you know working on welfare reform and working on really a, a whole host of things to try to lower health care costs uh, make it easier for folks to get back to work um you know we really want to make sure that arkansas is an environment that encourages people to be in the in labor force and, and and we talked about those welfare bills already um you know we have options as a state with some of these programs to put some of these reforms in place and make sure that that, that those programs aren't operating as traps, but they're there for folks that truly need them. And for non-disabled working age people like us, um, those should be temporary programs. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. Okay. So these two bills that you've been talking about are going to be heard next Tuesday. Yes, sir. Special order in, in House Public Health, uh, I believe 10 a.m., HB 1731. That's the Child Support Cooperation Bill. Uh, and HB 1775, that's a work requirement bill for, for able-bodied adults and food stamps. Okay, and so my listeners should give a call to their state reps, or should they wait until it passes out of committee? Or No, absolutely. If they have legislators that they know on, on House Public Health, um, I think it would be great if there's folks that want to come and, and testify in support. Um, I, I know there's going to be some folks that are there that are probably opposed. Um, so the more the merrier to come and show support for just common sense welfare reform. Okay, you got, there's a lot of people on that that committee, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, I believe there's 16. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a big committee. It's a lot of folks. Yeah. I know Brant Smith's on there. I always hear his voice over everybody else. <laughs> you know, but that's good. That's good. He's a good conservative. He is I a like good guy. He he's, a really, good guy. he's really good about that. They've, you know, they've got important things to do about that. That's why take the flag thing and somebody take and just drive a spike through it cut its head off, drag it out in the in the sunlight, and be done with it. Yeah, I think it. they tried that again yesterday, but it, it didn't. There weren't enough people in the seats. Well, and but. just they need to they need <laughs> just they just need to be done with that and forget about it. Wait two more years, and if if you really you know I I agree with some of the things that they've said about the, the that additional star, but you know what? Unless we unless we get out there and we tell people, don't even know, they don't even understand about what all that. I mean. The, the governor spokesman on he'll he's going to talk about it today in that that interview I did. I had no idea, and if you have no idea, guess what? It don't matter. I'm sorry. It's, it's not. Really, I know that there's really people on the other side of that issue that just were offended that I said it don't matter. I, well, I know that. Right. It's 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 one of those things. It's kind of some dead history that most most people don't know about. Just like. Um, why do Amish people not grow mustaches? Nobody knows that today. Back when they started doing that. It was it was known, but today it doesn't matter to anybody. So it's kind of a it's a it's kind of a dead, they just don't. It's a dead <laughs> it's a dead reason. The reason doesn't even exist anymore. All right. So you said how many different states do you travel around to? Well, we work in about uh, almost forty states now, and do wow. some stuff in Washington D.C. And they hearing well. about Arkansas. And yeah. Arkansas is on the yeah. cutting edge of good stuff. Absolutely, especially on the Medicaid work requirement. And you know, I give. Give the governor a lot of credit for that. Um, he was the leader on that issue and called the special session to get that done. And look, um, both of us have been attacking, have attacked the governor about... Not me, just you, Dave. No, just me. <laughs> Arkansas works. We have been all in his case about that. But 
you got you give people the credit that they're due, and he is due credit on this. That's right. And if you go back to fall of 2017 um, and track forward to today, Medicaid enrollment's down almost a hundred thousand, almost a hundred thousand, and that and that is because of the welfare reform that's been done, the work that the folks, good folks at DHS have done. Uh, to implement that, to, to to speed up the implementation of that, and also take care of folks. And look, the, the the point of a work requirement and the point of all of these issues is to make sure that the programs are there for folks that truly need them. I mean, That's we have right. we have a waiting list, uh, a Medicaid waiting list in this state. We have hundreds of thousands of individuals that have intellectual disabilities, developmental disabilities, that are elderly, uh, frail, that are in nursing homes all across the state that are on Medicaid and food stamps that depend on those programs. And every able-bodied person that we add and keep on those programs, there's only so many dollars to go around. The same dollar can't be spent twice. I mean, that's just a fact. So that's why I, I personally am so passionate about these reforms is because I want to make sure as an Arkansan, as an Arkansas taxpayer, someone who's raising a, the a family here now, people the money goes it. to people who truly need it. And, and it's not wasted uh, or, 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 or uh spent on folks that should be working that are capable of working and contributing um and and that's the way that's the way the system should be designed last question for you do you think that either that either one of us will ever see a program that we both would like to see which is block grants um you know i don't know i i I think that's something president trump is very interested in yeah Uh, if the republican party yeah I don't know. You know what? Uh, I think a good friend of ours used to always say, uh, predictions are difficult to make, especially about the future. So, um, I mean, if they, if they, yeah, but I mean, if they really want to change the game, that's the way they change it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of evidence for that. I think when you look at like TANF and the cash welfare program, that's a program that's been block granted to states, and states have a lot of flexibility in, in how to design that. You look at the enrollment, what's happened to that program since the welfare reform of the of 1996, the enrollment is, you know, it's almost gone. I mean, that is such a small program. There's less than 4 million people on that program now. Look at food stamps. It's 42 million people. Mm-hmm. Medicaid is pushing 80 million people. I don't think people realize, and your listeners out there, how massive these programs have gotten. And that's why some of these reforms are needed because the programs are just out of control. AOC is out of control. Come on, she wants Medicare for all. Oh yeah, yeah, we can totally afford that. Yeah, thanks for coming. By. Yeah, it's always, always a pleasure to see you. If you got some time next week and you're around, okay. stop by. I will. Love talking Thank with you, you, sir. Thank you. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we have a special guest going to join us and tell us kind of his overview of how this session has gone. Mm-hmm. We'll talk to him when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm going to tell you what, you can learn uh, some little-known strategies that can help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis. Uh, Do this. I'm just telling you, this can save you tens of thousands of dollars when you retire. Uh, David Lucas does this uh, of David Lucas Financial. He's hosted the David Lucas Show that you hear on 101.1 FM, The Answer. This free analysis reveals the little-known strategies and loopholes they could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401K, Social Security benefits, and more. Give you a little hint. You put your money into your 401K. It's uh, tax-free. All right? But right now, money being taxed is at its lowest level ever in the history of the United States, So, which means it's going to go up. So let's say you're going to 
retire in 20 or 25 years. So you haven't paid any taxes on that money. And so you get ready at, let's say, 70 years old. You want to retire. You start pulling that money out. Now, whatever the tax rate is, they're going to hit the money you saved with that tax rate. So go back if you can, and David's going to tell you this. Take that money that maybe you have in the 401k and reverse it into a Roth. Pay the taxes now. Save the money that you're going to pay when you get it out for retirement. It's all kinds of stuff. You can save yourself a, a bunch of money because I'm going to tell you what, federal government is licking their chops and can't wait to get their hands on your money. Uh, get that free analysis. Call 501-653-6690. 501-653-6690. David Lucas is a good guy. I know him. He's a personal friend. Uh, again, 501-653-6690. Someone who has joined us several times on the show during this session. We've asked him back, and that's the Representative Wing. Good to have him from Thank North you. Little Rock. And and let's talk. What how 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 would you grade this session on a letter grade? What would you give it? Oh well, uh, you know, I would say especially when you look at uh, the first part of what we did today with the uh, transformation package passing out. I know the governor's office would give it an A, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so because we have accomplished at least on the house side the four main objectives that Governor Hutchinson came in with, and yeah, so Jr. was excited today. Yeah, they were very excited, <laughs> and and uh, and repelled an attempt to uh, even pass it off for the weekend. It's, uh, you know, we've it's it's been out in in piecemeal form for quite a while. Right. It's only been in the in the actual book form. You know, the did they actually work. give you? Over two thousand pages. <laughs> I, I I joked about asking for that. Uh, you know, and, uh, anytime anybody went to the printer and printed off more than five or ten pages, I said, "Are you are you printing off the transformation bill? Print one for me too, please." You, you, so. didn't, you didn't ask them to, to read it three times, did you? <laughs> yeah, well, they just read the title three oh, times. So yeah, not, not like the Constitution actually says, just the title. That's right. Yeah, okay. Representative Davis joked and said, "All right, we're going to start on page one, and we'll go from there." Oh my yeah. lord! Yeah. yeah, that's a long bill, but. You know, I had Jr. today. It, it, I, I kind of made the statement. This is more of a important thing for the, the state government than it is for citizens. And he says that's not right, Dave. And he started talking about when they start bringing these groups together and they start selling some of these build, buildings that they own that they're going to get rid of. And it's going to mean a lot of dollars fo- flowing in that. It's tax money that they don't have to get from the taxpayers. Yeah, and, and that's the overall goal is to get it streamlined and more efficient. And right. I, I'm grateful for that. And so when you ask about the entire session, I mean, we're, for us to be able to address that, to uh, continue to address the tax situation has been very significant, to be able to pull off that upper bracket tax cut to, to match the middle and the lower income tax cut. That was very significant. You combine that. You know, we've got the, our food taxes decreasing still. Uh, we've got to make ourselves more competitive. Transportation, we did that. Uh, we had talked last time I was on the air about uh, uh, the bill that I passed two years ago with the uh, construction manager. We wanted to ask you about that because yeah. that was a just a trial project, and right. it proved itself gold it all did. right yeah so now has it been made into law well so just this morning got it out of committee and so it'll be on okay. the house floor probably on monday good um and so yeah it's this is uh it's just a procurement method it's not anything that's really very sexy for most people when they look at this bill they go okay well cool but what it did do is it changed the procurement method construction manager the very very brief overview is that you've got now the entire process which used to be divided into like five different entities that were separate 
separate unto themselves before the contractors actually started building. Now you have a seamless construction manager that oversees from the very beginning of the design phase all the way through to the construction phase. So you're paying for leadership. You're paying for leadership. Dividends. And, yeah, and you're and you're paying for the foresight to be able to say, hey, this might let's let's uh, let's adjust over here and we can save money here. So the first project took place on um, on on Cantrell Highway 10 just to the west of 430. So that brand new interchange that's okay. there. So it's be going beyond that. We have already identified $7 million in savings by switching to this method. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of the shackles off of it. It's still a pilot program, but we're, we're, uh, we're able to some. expand it and give some more flexibility to the highway department. So we should see even more savings. But $7 million at no cost. Mm-hmm. To, there was no investment in that. We just Seven changed our strategy mil. just like wow. that. Out of how that's big a really great. That program was under well, that was capped uh, at under project? seventy million. Yeah, I'm, that has, that's still to be determined because we're still in the design phase right now. But we've identified seven million dollars in savings, savings overall. Yeah, was that that was was that not part of the uh, um, I don't know the uh, the exit or entrance or whatever that was over there on Cantrell? Or well, it's, it's picking up from that now. Oh, so okay. this will be a new project that will start. That's kind of so, but that you know, that's that's part of it, and so we've got kind of this overall theme of what can we do to to transform, mm-hmm. to save, to to make Arkansas competitive. I've, since we last spoke, I passed a couple of uh, of uh, uh, economic development bills also to help make Arkansas a little bit more competitive with our business incentives, and and again on the rebate side, mm-hmm. uh, so that it's after we've seen proof of performance, then there's a tax rebate coming back. Interesting. So it's yeah, and it's not so much a. A welfare check on the front end. Right. Yeah, it's all on the back end. We only cut a check when we have received the benefit that we, the state First. of Arkansas, need. I like and See, that, that's just common sense. Done. As opposed to these, we write you a check, and if you, and we don't go, if you don't go bankrupt, well, then we'll get some back. That's right. But in the meantime, we've, we've hurt local businesses and taxpayers and everyone else, perhaps. Yeah. And we also had a very sweet moment on the House floor today when we uh, passed a bill to expand recess, and there happened to be two groups of school kids that were in the gallery. And we don't, you know, part of part of the uh, the rules of the, the house, quorum. you never applaud, you never applaud on the House floor, but the kids, this sweet little little bitty hands, just started clapping, and it was, and we all just smiled. It was very nice. Janet Delarosa became the most popular legislator in the history of elementary school today. <laughs> Okay. And what did she do exactly? What she did was expanded recess. It's uh, 40 minutes now. What we have found is that recess is getting cut and cut and cut. And some kids are and getting kids 15 minutes. kids are getting fatter minutes. and fatter and fatter. And more and more restless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, well, the kids love this. More, the more. school teachers love this even more because they've got to deal with these kids who have this pent-up energy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm 52. So, so they're drugging the kids instead of giving them recess. <laughs> yeah, right I, that I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, a, I, I know I get anyway. restless at my age. i got to get up and walk around every now and then. If I was an 8-year-old, mm-hmm. you know. And so the so the, the the kids love this. The teachers love this as well. Uh, I mean, there's obviously going to be somebody who doesn't, but I think this is a good thing for the overall health and well-being of our children and those who educate them. Yeah, another bill that's out there, Mark Lowry has that I'm really interested to see if it makes its way through uh, the session in the House and in the Senate is starting school later than. Like the oh, first week of August to yeah, get like it started in the last, yeah, well, get it started mm-hmm. last week of August or whatever, and you're not missing any instruction because instead of looking at days, they look at hours of instruction, and all the superintendents went, what a great idea. <laughs> so, you know, maybe families would get a few more weeks of 
Yeah, now that can be a blessing or a you know a curse. All right, some parents would tell you, but uh, online has some good education. He's a smart guy. He is. Yeah. He really is, and we we like having him on and, and talking about that. You got anything else that's floating out there? We've got uh, this is really this bill that came out of committee. I'll present it on the floor probably Monday. This is probably my last major initiative uh, for the session. We're starting to wind things down ourselves, looking to see if the if the end is in sight. If it's not another train, but uh, I heard you said you guys are figuring like three weeks. Is that right? It could be. It could be. Uh, we'll have uh, spring break will be next week. We're going to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So okay. uh, we'll take Thursday, Friday off, and then after that, we probably have two more weeks after that. We'll this see. will be the first session that I can tell you since 2003 that I don't see a planned Friday meeting. Yeah. That's really amazing to me. That's been great from a pacing standpoint. Uh, I, our Speaker of the House deserves a lot of credit for holding to that. He wants us back in our districts on Friday. And, of course, I live in North Little Rock, so I go home every day. Um, right. But, uh, but he wants him talking to their yeah, constituents. And it gives us the time to be able to do that because the, the, the session is such a frenetic pace. And it's, it's so emotionally draining as well. And, and until you've been here, you, you just don't understand how how intense it is and so to be able to have that friday uh to be able to kind of go back visit visit the real people and talk about the real issues that are going on that's good well yesterday we were following closely hb 1705 about the dark money yes and uh i i i kind of turned on my producer who's back at the station he's not been involved in politics all that much and so we were sending him up into the gallery to watch the discussions and the votes and on that and and on the silencer bill and some other stuff mm-hmm. and he started he got a little bit of the the bug kind of bit him yesterday yeah. <laughs> he got into it it's interesting and i tell you it, it from a psychological standpoint regardless of how you feel on some of these issues it's fascinating to watch what happens on the house floor so like for instance 1705 when it was debated yesterday one of the default positions for legislators is if you are unsure or uncertain the, the default is no, because you Should can always be. come back and vote yes later. Yes. But you can't vote yes and undo it if it passes. Mm-hmm. And so one of the concerns about that bill was what amendments are going to be made. And when the bill sponsor was not able to say exactly what it was going to be, that helped prompt the bill sponsor to pull the bill down, and then he can deal with the amendments. Then we can see exactly what's in that bill before we have to vote on it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was wise, and that's how the process is supposed to work. Yep. Yeah, vote against it, please, no yeah. matter what. They get, to it. get rid of it. Yeah. Dark money is only dark if you're not getting it. <laughs> I like kind of like what Ryan Norris said, we got to let you go, but he made the statement that, you know, privacy is for the citizen, transparency is for the uh, the political parties. The yeah. government. My votes on the House floor are public knowledge. My vote in the ballot box in my precinct in North Little Rock, Sherwood, that is private matter. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming by. we got to get you, you on uh, you know, next week and Anytime. tell us how things are going. Happy to do so. All right. Thank, thank you very you. much. State Representative Wing here on Dave Ellswick Show. Paul, I'll catch you on Monday. I reckon so. We'll see you there. We'll be back here. Sleep. And uh, tomorrow, fun Friday, we'll be talking about a lot of different good things like what movies should you go see it's the dave ellswick show we'll take a break until then two o'clock tomorrow from the studio good night three
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.